Good morning, my friends. This is Apostle Carlos Gordon. And I'm coming to you from my podcast, The Apostolic Connection. This morning, I want to speak to you in relation to a word that I've received from the Lord. And it's simply put, I'm not built to break. I'm still here. And I want to talk to you from the book of Daniel, chapter 3, and verses uh, 12 to 18 and I will read thus there are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego these men O king have not paid due regard to you they do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up then Nebuchadnezzar in rage and fury gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego so they brought these men before the king Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now if you are ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony and with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. This is the word of the Lord. What an interesting passage from the book of Daniel. We all know the story. And... uh, It's important to have courage to live by God's word in this time. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, was at this time the greatest king on the whole earth. He had conquered many nations and was given power beyond human comprehension. No nation could stand up to him, including the rebellious nation of Israel, whom God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to to defeat, destroy, and destroy the temple in Jerusalem and take captive significant tradesmen, being artisans and elites and intellectuals to serve his kingdom in exile, Babylon. Among the captives was Daniel and three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Interestingly, in the previous chapter, we see the king in his second year received dreams that disturbed him. And he needed an interpretation that only Daniel could provide through the Almighty God. Some scholars believe that the image described in Daniel chapter 2 may have inspired Nebuchadnezzar to build a golden image of himself in chapter 3, 60 feet high and 60 feet wide, and invited all the dignitaries to the unveiling where he made a decree that the people should bow down and worship the statue. And all the people did so except the three Hebrew boys. 
But when you know who the real God is, how can you worship another God? The Hebrew boys refused to bow down to the image. Paul speaks expressly in the book of Romans, chapter 8. And he says here that, what shall we say to these things? Verse 31. If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is also written, risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. But who shall separate us from the love of God, or the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. And Paul says in verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When you're standing up for God, your haters will always plot against you. And so you have to always be on the lookout for your haters. Jesus said that the world will, not, the world will hate you because the world hated me first. But you will overcome because I have also overcome the world. And because I have overcome the world, you will also overcome the world. In this moment, fear and faith has an object. Is your God bigger than Nebuchadnezzar? Your God is bigger than the enemy that you fear. Uh, lift your faith to overcome the Nebuchadnezzars you feared, even in the months previous to this. Lift your faith to overcome the Nebuchadnezzars that you fear, even at this time of a global pandemic. Fear and faith has a particular object. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I have not seen it, but I believe it is. The word of God said, if, if a man comes to God, he must first believe that God is, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The boys, the Hebrew boys, their knowledge says that he's able. 
Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Their knowledge says he's able. Their faith says he will. Praise God. Philippians 4 verse 19 says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 says, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in times, in all times, at all, in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. I am encouraged when I read Jeremiah 29, verse 11, that says, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Uh, when you know God and you know that God is bigger than your fear, then, like the Hebrew boys, your knowledge says he is able. He's able to bring healing. He's able to bring deliverance. He's able to change my current situation. And your faith will bring you to the level where you have an expectancy. Because their faith said he will. My God will or shall bring healing. My God shall bring deliverance. My God is able to bless. But their commitment says, if he don't even do it, we're still not going to bow. Wow. This is where the rubber meets the road. Because even though you know he's able, and even though you know he will, you will find that you will be put in the fire anyway. And so your level of commitment now has to rise to another dimension. If he comes through, which I expect, he will, he is able to do, and I expect him to. If he comes true, then that would be great. But if he doesn't come through, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. We are making a declaration at this time that even though I have prayed and even though I have fasted and even though I have waited, if God in his sovereignty decides that uh, it will not happen as I have asked, then understand this that the word of the lord this morning comes from the book of exodus chapter 33 
verses 7 to 11, and I will read. And Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. Far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all people rose and each stood, each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshiped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend and he will return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Father, I want to thank you for your word this morning toward your people. Bless your servant even now as we look to you and tell your sons in Jesus' name. Amen. The word that I have for you that the Lord gave me to give you has a topic that simply says it's time to meet God face to face. And if you're with somebody right now, even sitting beside you or wherever you are, just turn to them and just, just tell them that it's time to meet God face to face. The background of this scripture, Moses was entrusted with the awesome task of leading God's people from Egypt across the Red Sea and into the wilderness and on towards the promised land. But of course, we know that this was not an easy task as it turned out to be. The setting in chapter 19 of the book of Exodus, 33, book of Exodus, there were three months after the children of Israel had left Egypt. And they came to the wilderness of Sinai and they camped before the mountain called Sinai. It is there that Moses went up to hear words from God concerning instructions to the children of Israel. And Moses was called by God to remind the children of Israel how God mightily delivered them from the Egyptians and brought them unto himself, where God called the people to keep his covenant. The word in Exodus 19, verse 5 says, And now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandments, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. In fact, not only did God speak many things through his servant Moses to the people, after instructing the people to consecrate themselves for three days, God declared that he himself would come down in a thick cloud before the people 
so that the people would hear when he spoke to Moses and believe him forever. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the sick law, that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. And so Moses told the words of the people, words of the people to the Lord. And then it came to pass on the third day, in the morning, that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud in the mountain and the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled and Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. It smoked ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly and when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder Moses spake and God answered him by voice then the Lord came down on Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up Exodus 19 16 to 20 now all this time, the Lord had set boundaries around Mount Sinai for the people, including the, the priests, to remain because they could not venture beyond the boundaries lest they would be killed. It is at Mount Sinai that God wrote the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone with his own hand and gave his people through his servant Moses. It is on Mount Sinai that God gave Moses many laws to instruct the people of Israel, to keep them as a special nation set apart by God among all the people of the earth. And these laws included instructions for setting up the tabernacle to offer worship and sacrifices to God. Now, while Moses was receiving instructions from God at the top of Mount Sinai, he was gone from the people for a considerably long time. And it was during this period that the children of Israel rebelled against God by cajoling Aaron to make an image of a golden calf and burned offerings before it and worshipped it. It is then that the anger of God burned against the stiff-necked people. Moses had to intercede to God. And God relented from utterly destroying the whole camp. It is not that God repented from doing this thing because as the book of Numbers 23 verse 19 states, God is not man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Had he said and shall he not do it? Or had he spoken and shall he not make it good? It is that God already knew he would not utterly destroy the children of Israel who were under covenant that he made with Abraham. Yet he deliberately put Moses into this crucial place of intercession so that Moses would display and develop God's heart for the people, a heart of love and compassion. And Moses prayed just as God wanted him to. And if earth and as if heaven and earth, salvation or destruction depended on his prayer. And this is how God wants us to pray. Whenever we pray, we must pray as if our whole life depends on it. We must pray as if heaven and earth depends on it. We must pray 
as if our salvation or destruction depends on it. Uh, David Gusick puts it this way. Also, we can say that God did not go back on his word to either Moses or Israel. He un we understand the principle that God promises of judgment are inherently meant to call men to repentance and prayer and therefore avert the judgment. In Ezekiel 33, verse 13, it says, when I say to the righteous, and he shall surely live, if he trusts his own righteousness and commit iniquity, all his righteousness shall not be remembered. But for his iniquity that he had committed, he shall die for it. Again, I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die. If he turn from his sin and do what is good and right, then you shall be restored. If the wicked restore the, the pledge, give again that he had robbed, walk in the statute of life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live. He shall not die. And none of his sins that he has committed shall be mentioned unto him. He had done that which is lawful and right. He shall surely live. In the book of 2 Chronicles 7, God speaks, if, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive them of their sins, and heal their land. God is calling us to a time of fellowship and repentance with him. And Moses, having realized the sinfulness and the rebellion of the people, had to go back down to them. And while he was there, his anger burned against them. And he put members of different families to death. And ultimately, God set a plague upon the people. Because you see, sin must be punished. God is ultimately in a position to punish sin. But God is calling us to meet with him face to face. There have been several encounters in the book of Exodus between God and Moses describing that they met face to face as a man meets its friend. God had such a special relationship with Moses that when he met with Moses, they communed, they talked, and they met face to face. But none more so than the encounter recorded in chapter 33. When Moses pitched his tent outside of the camp and called it the tabernacle of meeting, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord would talk with Moses. The Bible says, and all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshiped, each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would have returned to the camp, but his servant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Joshua, we know, would eventually lead God's people 
into the promised land. It is important to point out, however, that meeting God face to face does not involve seeing his face. Because as God would advise further to Moses, no man can see God's face and live. Hallelujah. The Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. The phrase face to face is a figurative expression, meaning free and open fellowship. Because you see, Moses had not and could not see the actual face of God, the Father in his glory, because he could not live. This is the sense in which John says, no one has seen God at any time, John, 1 John 4, 12. Yet no one can spiritually have a face-to-face, -face, yet one can spiritually have a face-to-face -face relationship with God in the sense of a free and open relationship with God. So when Moses met God face-to-face, -face, he developed a sense of freeness, freedom, and his relationship blossomed with God. And God's relationship with him as well. And with this relationship, Moses felt free to boldly petition God on a number of occasions. And God encouraged it. The, the writer of Hebrews puts it this way. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may receive, we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 4 verse 16. Moses sought the Lord's assurance that he would continually be with him and the children of Israel. Especially after that, after the people had so spectacularly rebelled against God. There come a time, brethren, when we have to see God's face for assurance that God is with us. And even though we know that he is with us, God wants us to seek him and to petition him, to bring him to requesting of him things that are extraordinary, things that are above what the normal human being would ask for. In fact, I tell you, we have to get beyond just the normal everyday asking God for his provisions and asking God for a house and asking God for a car and asking God for a wife or a husband and a job and asking God for good health and strength. We need to go further and say, Lord, show me your way. Show me your way. And, and Moses was not content just to ask God for the ordinary. Because you see, God wants us to ask for the extraordinary. And so in Exodus 33, 13, Moses said, show me your way, Lord. Because you see, you want me to lead these people. But God, I need some assurance that you are with me. Especially now that the people have rebelled against you. I need some assurance, Lord. He said to the Lord, now therefore I pray. If I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. 
Oh, God loves us, brethren. And even though we have sinned and come short in so many ways, it is for us to petition God. And God will, in his love and his mercy, reach out to us like a father. And he will forgive us and heal us and set us apart. And so God granted that first petition when he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. But Moses was still not content to hear that. He wanted more. And so he said, God, if, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are up on the face of the earth. And so the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Bridget, I want to tell you this morning that God wants us to be in his very presence. He wants us to ask of him anything that we will. But Moses was saying to God that, Lord, if I have found favor as your servant, and I've, if we, your people, have found favor, then, Lord, do not send us where you will not be with us. We will not go, Lord, if you will not be with us, Lord. The enemy will not laugh at us and they will not be able to destroy us if you are with us. And I want to tell you this morning that no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what the enemy has placed upon your life, no matter where you are and where you find yourself in, if God is with you, who can be against you? Paul says in Romans. God is with us. And so Paul even says that uh, we are more than conquerors to him that love us. And God would say to us this morning that if we are in Christ Jesus, then we are secure from all the plans of the enemy. But Moses was still not content. Moses wanted even a deeper and a greater experience of his majesty and so moses in verse 18 says lord please show me your glory he sought further assurance and i will make and, and the lord said unto him i will make all my goodness pass before you and i will proclaim the name of the lord before you and i will be gracious to whom i will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock, and so it shall be, while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. God wants to show us his glory. Like Moses, if we are determined enough to experience God's glory, he will show us. 
Likewise, as God's children, we need, like Moses, to have the opportunity to enjoy free and open relationship with God, especially in this time of concern, in this time of pandemic, especially in this season where, as, the, as a church, we are home and not in our sanctuary, especially in this time of worry and anxiety that God may bring his goodness to pass by us. God wants to show us his glory. And so I want to talk to us for a few minutes about the benefits of meeting God face to face. You see, Moses had developed such a relationship. It was a relationship of trust. It was a relationship of love and fellowship, open fellowship with God. And when you get to that point, brethren, you start to experience God in a different way. You don't have time to sit down on the, on the telephone and gossip. You don't have time to create mischief. You don't have time to be utterly fearful, even though fear is a human reaction. You don't have time to lose hope in the God that saved you. But when you have a relationship with God that is free and open and honest with him, you will be like Moses, seeking more and more and more. Paul said, oh, that I may know him. Hallelujah. God wants us to know him even greater. God is calling us to a time of meeting him face to face. Because when you are face to face with God, you don't even need an appointment. As you speak, God will come. Because he, 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 the word of God said that he dwells in the praises of his people. And the more we praise him, the more we worship him, the more we fellowship with him, is the more he will come through and show us his glory. And so the first benefit of meeting God face to face is that we experience free and open fellowship with him. Leviticus 26 says, I will also walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. John 14, verse 23 said, Jesus said unto him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Revelation 21, verse 3 says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. And he will dwell among them and they shall be his people. And God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning. No crying, nor pain. The first things have passed away. And I know that all over the world, there have been mourning and tears and crying for loved ones who have died. And it is a sad situation. But God promises 
that there will come a day when he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. When death will be defeated, there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain because the first things will be passed away. Oh, hallelujah. The verse in John says, but if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. We will have fellowship with each other just as we fellowship with God. Luke 24 says, and they said to one another, were not our hearts burning with us, within us while we, he was speaking to us on the road and while he was explaining the scriptures to us? God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 9. The second point or benefit is that we will hear and understand his voice clearer. John 10, verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Brethren, nowadays we are hearing all kinds of voices. In fact, there has never been a time I can recall where so many persons are coming forward with a word from the Lord. In fact, most of the word that they are coming forward is are words of gloom and doom. God is going to do this and do that. But I'm not in a position to say nay or yay. But what I will say is, that I want to hear his voice for myself. I want to experience his presence and fellowship. I want to talk with him like Moses, like a friend. And so I want to hear his voice. The songwriter says his voice makes the difference. When he speaks, he relieves my troubled mind. When you know God's voice, you cannot follow another. When you know the voice of the shepherd, you cannot follow a, 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 an imposter. When you know the voice of the shepherd, you will be obedient to it and you will follow after it. And so when we have fellowship with God face to face, we develop a clearer and a better understanding of his voice. The third point is that we receive boldness to make our requests known unto God. Hallelujah. We get bold, brethren. He said, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. When we meet God face to face, we are bold enough to ask anything of him according to his father, it shall be done. In fact, Jesus said, if you ask anything concerning anything, ask anything of me concerning anything, it shall be done by my father in heaven. And so we receive boldness. 
we also receive the opportunity for God to show us his glory. <laughs> and oh, how we need God to show us his glory in this time. You see, God's glory is his goodness. And when his goodness passes by us, it makes a difference in our lives. Listen to what happens in Exodus 34, verse 5. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. So while God was passing, this is what he was saying. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Oh, glory to God. When the presence of God passed by Moses, when God put him into that cleft of the rock and his goodness passed by, then we see the measure of his goodness being explained here in this passage. But God is merciful, that he's gracious, that he's long-suffering with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. And he's also abounding in goodness and truth. The Bible said God is good. Oh, glory to God. And the Bible said that God is also truth. And he desires truth from the inward path of our being. He also keeps mercy for thousands. He forgives iniquity and transgressions and sins. And by no means will the guilty get away. He will visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children. And he visits them even to the fourth generation. When we come face to face with God, we are baptized with his spirit. The book of Acts chapter 4 speaks to the baptism of the Holy Spirit that the apostles received even after they had been baptized mightily with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when the church began. God baptized them again in Acts chapter 4. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. And one of the things that we understand about the Spirit of God is that when we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, the spirit of boldness comes upon us. We are no longer afraid to declare the word of God to the heathen and to those that need to hear it. Even under the face of great opposition and tribulation, like the apostles uh, Peter, John and all the apostles experienced when they spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. But one thing I can tell you, that the more the church is persecuted, the more the church is attacked, 
The more the church is criticized, the more the church grows. God rose the church, ruled the church out of Jerusalem and into Judea and Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. Even to Jamaica today, God is growing his church and he's filling his people. God is growing his church even on the internet. Because you see, the devil thought that he could shut down the church, close its doors, but the door of the church is not a, it's not a physical door. It's a spiritual door. And as long as we are, the Holy Spirit is with us, the church is alive and well. Our worship is also strengthened when we come face to face with God. Our prayer life is strengthened. In the book of Exodus 34, it says, verse 8, So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And then he said, If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. Moses fell prostrate before God as his presence passed by. Oh, God only knows what Moses saw that day. But I can imagine the glory that he experienced. I can imagine the feeling, hallelujah, of mercy and grace and long-suffering and goodness and truth. Oh, that he experienced even as the presence of God was passing by. I can imagine the sweet fellowship that he had. Oh, I can imagine the lights that he saw, the glory of the back part of God that was evident. Oh, Bridget, it makes me want to get in God's presence. Immediately as this happened, Moses fell and bowed before God because I want to tell you this day that when you're in God's presence, you can't stay the same. You have to bow. When you're in the true presence of God, you have to worship. When you're in God's presence, you have to be prostrate before him. When you're in God's presence, you experience a prayer life and a worship life that is beyond explanation. God will strengthen us when we meet him face to face. When we meet God face to face, our very countenance and appearance is transformed and the workers of evil become afraid. Oh, glory to God. The word says that, and now it was so, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the test testimony were in Moses' hand and when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Oh, glory to God Almighty. When you are face to face with God, our countenance changed. Our appearance is transformed. Oh, people will see a difference in you. 
and the enemies of our God will be afraid. When we are in God's presence, ah, there is a light that shines from us, a light that illuminates others around us, a light that is so bright and powerful that it creates fear among the wicked. Our countenance. I don't know how a Christian can be in God's presence and still miserable. I don't know how a Christian can be in God's presence and still create mischief. I don't know how a Christian can be in God's presence and still have evil in their hearts. Because when you are in his presence, when you are face to face with him, your countenance and your appearance is transformed. When we are face to face with God, fear and worship comes to the church. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his tent and door. When God touched down, hallelujah, his presence touched down in the church. Ah, worship comes, fear comes, hallelujah. Every man has to worship God in his own space. When the presence of God touched down, hallelujah. Oh, the Bible said a pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door. Oh, glory to God. What a visual. And the Lord talked with Moses. Glory to God Almighty. They could hear the rumblings of God's voice as he spoke with Moses. Oh, glory to God Almighty. When the pillar of cloud came down, nobody never needed anybody to tell them it's worship time. Oh, glory to God Almighty. When the cloud descended at the door of the tabernacle, nobody need, never needed a drum or a, a music because they knew that it was worship time. And all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. And when we worship God, we draw his presence nearer. When we worship God, we draw his very nature. When we worship God, we experience his goodness and we experience his glory. Because what, it is, what is his glory than his goodness? His goodness is his glory. And his goodness is what we experience when God comes into our lives. And lastly, God desires food and constant fellowship with his people. The fellowship that he broke with the first Adam because of sin, he has restored it with the second Adam. First Corinthians 15 says, but now is Christ risen, 
from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Jesus is the second Adam. Jesus has died on Calvary. Jesus rose on the third day. Jesus ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. And before he ascended, Jesus went into the lower part of hell and he led captivity captive and he uh, has the key of death and hell in his hands. Oh, glory to God Almighty. It is Jesus who has given the church, hallelujah, oh, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers and elders and all the different offices for the edification of the church, for the building up of the work of God. It is Jesus that has so anointed man that man can do great things. It is Jesus who has left the Holy Spirit for us. I must go that the comforter might come. And when he comes, he shall guide us into our truth. Oh, glory to God. It is Jesus who has given the Holy Spirit to the church. The church is a powerful organism. The church cannot be defeated. The church cannot die. Thousands of years, the church has they have tried to silence the church. They have burned Bibles. They have broken down walls. They have burned down churches. They have murdered and martyred God's servants. But the church of Jesus Christ is still going strong. And there will come a day when the church shall be gone. The Bible said that the trump of God shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. Oh, glory to God. We are in that time, brethren, when the church shall be taken away and the Holy Spirit shall be taken with the church. Oh, God Almighty. And when they think it's peace and safety, it's sudden destruction that shall come upon the earth. I submit to you today that COVID-19 is just the beginning. But I want to give you a hope this morning that the church will not go through the tribulation. That God will rescue the church. He will bring the church to himself. As a bride as a bridegroom comes for his bride, so shall Christ come for his church and he shall find a church that is white and spotless. He shall find a church that is ready to receive him. And we shall have the consummation in heaven. Jesus, before he left, before he was crucified, he said to the disciples, I will drink no more the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. What a day that will be, brethren. What a day when we shall see him as he is. We shall be like him, the word says, for we shall see him as he is.
I want to encourage us this morning to meet God face to face. It's time. It's time to meet him face to face. And when we meet him face to face, we shall never be the same. God is speaking to that heart, that one that is listening today to this broadcast. God is speaking to every heart this morning that will hear this word. Today, if you hear my voice, harden not your heart. Behold, I come quickly, and my rewards are with me. God is coming soon. Let us be ready to meet him face to face. God bless you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your words today. That, that soul, that one that needs to hear it, have heard it and will come to know you because whom to know is life eternal. Bless that one now. Bless that heart, Lord, as they draw near to you. Save them from the wrath to come. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, brethren. Hallelujah. What a wonderful time we have had in his presence. Hallelujah. 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 H